Hello, I'm Greg Green, and this is Cathanica, episode six. Cathanica, the podcast about horror in all its fictional forms. And today, uh, what a treat. We've got two really special guests here. I've got master editor and anthologist Ellen Datlow and horror great John Langan here to talk about a new project which has just been released. Uh, but first, you know Ellen Datlow. You know her from books such as Nightmares and uh, body shocks. The the book cover. I I will not turn out to face uh, the public because I I do work calls from here, and also of course the famous um, best uh, horror of the year series. Heading into which uh, which volume is coming out this year? Is it fourteen? Fourteen this year, and I'm working on fifteen. Wow. So so yeah. we've got to yes, many many great books, uh, edited and anthologized by Ellen Datlow. Ellen, how are you today? I'm great. Jet Good. Life. Right. <laughs> back from a big vacation, as I understand. Uh, and of course, we've got uh, John Langan. You guys know him uh, from books like Children of the Fang and The Wide Carnivorous Sky, uh, Safira, right? Safira? That's right. Very yes. good. You, yep. And, and, and perhaps best known. For his novel, The Fisherman, which just I just keep seeing it being brought up in in comments on Reddit and Twitter, and it's just become this this modern classic of cosmic horror, and uh, is such a, a fantastic book. And, and I'm really excited about your contribution to this new volume because I think I think people who dug The Fisherman are going to dig your contribution here. But this is what we're here to talk about today, which is the uh, Screams from the Dark anthology of monster stories that Ellen has brought to us. 29 all new stories. And these are uh, hard hitters. Uh, who do you have in this book, Ellen? Who do you, who do you have contributing? Um, Cassandra Kaur, uh Laird Barron, Stephen Graham Jones, Joyce Carol Oates, Carol Johnstone, Karen Warren, uh, Gary Kilworth. Yeah. Who, I can't remember. Brian, yeah. Brian Evanson's uh, in yeah, here. Brian Evanson. I can't. Uh, Je Caitlin Gemma Keir Files. Jeff Gemma Ford. Files has a bizarre and creepy story that I really enjoy. Yeah. And uh, Daryl Gregory, who I've never published yeah. before. Okay. Uh, and Joe Lansdale. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm kind of curious, who else, anyone else that you've not uh, had not worked before? Yeah. With um, before? Uh, Chickadilly, whose last mm -hmm. name I have a hard time pronouncing. Yeah. Um, She's from, uh, well, she's British, um, Nigerian, I believe. Yes, yeah. And, um, oh, and, um, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Indra. Uh, I mean, he is Indra, Indra. Indra Promet. Yeah, he usually is called Indra by Doss. Indra. Yeah, so I was yeah. really happy to get them. And yeah. Sharma is in it. Mm -hmm. I could just look at the table of content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. The thing is, the longer a book, the harder it is to remember everything and to yeah. organize it. So sometimes, and also, you know, working on too many books at one time, I sometimes get mixed up. Like I was thinking a certain person was in it and I realized, nah, I don't think they're in this one. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy hitter or a big list of heavy hitters uh, for sure. Know, I'll think of others you know, as we go. <laughs> Uh, Livia Llewellyn has a new story in this, Now Voyager, which is really, really terrific. Uh, Nathan Ballingrud uh, has an, another one of his um, Hobbes Landing stories is in here. And that's, that's really cool. Three Mothers Mountain. Uh, and of course, John Langan is in here. Uh, we'll talk about his story in, in just a minute. Um, in terms of the, the range of stories, it, it really is quite a, a range that you have here. I mean, some of the stories I think about Jeffrey Ford's story is kind of a send up of um, the community overcoming their differences to save itself from, you know, the, the monstrous spawn of, of a corporate conspiracy, you know, pretty funny, pretty funny send up kind of a story. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And he it's, uses, and Lynn, his wife is a hero. It's, yes. Yeah. Of his stories. Yes. Um, she, yeah, she kind of, uh, you know, has to, you know, uh, pull Jeffrey's fat out of the fire uh, once or twice in the story. Uh, so she's a pretty tough lady here. Uh, but then contrast that with um, like stories by Joyce Carol Oates and, and Caitlin Kiernan, and, and which are which are you know pretty dark. Um, yeah, yeah, you've got uh, quite a range here where you where you're really looking to get something that uh, you know yes, across but, such a but, range of tones. Yes, but you never know what you're going to get. I mean, you know, yes, and I'm really pleased by the variety. But as I said, you never really know what's going to happen when you solicit stories from people yeah. um, on a theme, and I'm feel really lucky that 
I got such a wide range of tones and places and you know plots and everything and yes yeah. so yeah. And, and, and also some are quite short and some are some are really pretty full-bodied stories mm -hmm. uh almost got a novella there toward the end i think uh we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit a uh, little bit later but um uh in terms of just like the the range of monsters you kind of have the full panoply of monsters uh you know werewolves and vampires witches and ghosts you got elder gods uh, a very limber skeleton a metamorphic elf um, a real life 19th century physician uh, corporate evil a malevolent pig spirit or possibly just some guy's drunk uncle uh, uh bigfoot sea creatures and then fear itself um did did anyone's approach to their monster surprise you ellen well they yes and no <laughs> um actually i was actually worried about joyce carol oates's story no. um not because of her well we talked about it i mean she was worried she didn't want it to be to be taken the wrong way because <laughs> it is about a monstrous real life physician who yeah. who basically did horrible things to women especially um slaves yeah and she wanted to be she wanted it to be honorable honored these people the victims and yeah. i think she i mean it's gotten some very good attention so i think she succeeded but that was I mean, she's always get ready to take a chance. Yes. So I mean, it's not that it surprised me, but you know, it was. Um, she usually doesn't. Well, she does. I mean, some of I, I'm just going to say she doesn't usually take real life events, but she certainly does. Yeah. You know, her novel Blonde and Zombie and just a whole bunch of things have been based on reality. Um, let's see. Well, John's was his within his wheelhouse in a good way. Yes, I like that. Um, and Stephen Graham Jones was like, he threw every monster in there in, in the book. In yes. story, and that was kind of fun. I mean, it was, I mean, it's horror, but it's also fun. Yes. Uh, you know, so it's hard to say. I mean, did they surprise me? Yes and no. <laughs> yes. I mean, I knew that they would produce really great stories. The fact that they produced very different stories from each other. Um, was interesting. I mean, I didn't know where Joe Lansdale's story was going to go. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know where Daryl's story was going to go. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's always a surprise. Obviously, it's it's one of my most eagerly anticipated reads. I'm curious yeah. to know what you think of it. When oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, and, and look, it's um, just a fanboy for a moment, you know. I mean, I, I vividly remember uh, reading The Dark. Uh, Ellen's ghost story anthology what was that like 2003 I think wow. and uh, you know there are people like Glenn Hirschberg in there um, and uh, that was when Glenn had really like just sort of exploded you know with uh, um, two Sams and the snowman's children and so to be in a book with him now uh, wow. is just kind of that's sort of astonishing to me oh and that's know? actually that's actually a story that is very unlike Glenn because it takes place in Tasmania was it you or someone else who asked um, you, Greg, or someone else on Twitter asked if he was Tasmanian, because he, did, did, yeah. because he really captures that culture. Yeah, I yeah. think it was uh, Neil McRobert, I, right. I think, was the one who asked. So, him. Yeah, so, I mean, no, he is not Tasmanian, he's Californian, I'm not <laughs> sure that's where he's from, but he does a really good job wow. capturing Tasmania, and Karen Warren doesn't, I mean, she's Australian, and her story is really haunting. I mean, I, you know, it's she does really good horror. You know, I, I love yeah. her horror. So, and this is one that really worked for me. And, and Norman Partridge has a, a story in there called mm -hmm. The Island about an, about an island, but the island is kind, kind of a monster in a way. Um, mm -hmm. He's a, also a big name who I, I don't know that he publishes a lot now. Is, is he this doesn't. Kind of a... I, I was really glad to get a story from him. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. doesn't, you know, but I asked him and he wrote it. Nice. That's awesome. It's a terrific the interesting story. thing, of course, is Gary Kilworth writes about an island too. Yeah. And initially his story seems kind of like to me and until the end, until the last like, I don't know, five pages or so, it seems like it's a send-up of these assholes. <laughs> these tourists <laughs> who are just jerks. And they yeah. kind of are, but they're not, you know. And horrible things happen. I mean, really yeah. horrible things. Yes. You know? And it it was an interesting contrast to the other story about an island. In terms of a growing body of kind of international and multicultural 
authors? Did, did anyone have, um, did anyone introduce maybe a new monster that you had never heard of or seen before? Sure. Um, uh, Chickadilly. Mm -hmm. Hers. And um, well, the thing is, you know, well, they're all different. I mean, Priya was, I mean, she's very British, you mm -hmm. know, but she is, and she doesn't write much about India or where her ancestors are from. Um, and the story is very British. It isn't that culture, the, you know, the ancestral culture at all, but it's very weird. You know, I mean, the story was a strange story about from taken from like British history almost. Mm -hmm. um, I would have liked, probably I would have liked, I mean, most of the stories are by Americans or Brits. Mm -hmm. And I would have liked to have gotten more international. It's hard sometimes, you know, I don't know that I don't know enough international writers to ask them for stories. Yeah, usually for horror. I mean, there are yeah. a lot, there are a lot more international writers writing science fiction and fantasy. Mm. But, um, not as many am I familiar with that write horror. Mm -hmm. So I probably would have liked to do more international, get more international stories. Is translation something that that you would do? I mean, I, I don't oh no, know no, no, no! It's like no. I mean, the thing with translation, it's it's a monster. I mean, <laughs> itself. Um, I mean, I did. I bought a few translations for Omni Magazine years ago, and I got one. A Russian translator um, sent me like four synopses of stories yeah. and I picked one that seemed doable and she translated and I hated it <laughs> oh wow wow and but I bought it you know I mean I had committed to it but then I had a Japanese translator I mean the person was not Japanese an American translator who's translating Japanese into English and they sent me the two stories that I bought by diff two different Japanese writers because I could the thing is commission I'll never commission a translation hmm. it, you just don't know what you're going to get you yeah. have to get it translated already. So if someone wants to send me, if I had solicited, I don't, well, I don't read people, I don't read other languages. So yeah. it's not yeah. kind of viable. Right. Uh, I mean, I might try to get, I, I would love to get a story from um, Thomas. I can never remember his whole name. Um, uh, uh, yeah, who did? Yeah, um, Hovold. I mean, he's yeah. Dutch. Older, yeah. Holt, I, Heuvel, is it Heuvelt or? Yeah, but or, there's a middle part. <laughs> Thomas Older Heuvelt or yeah. something like yes. that? I, I yes, so, and yeah. I always miss, I'd love to get, a, I love his, well, I only read one novel. I'm, I haven't read Echo yet, but his first novel that I read was fabulous. And he writes in English or he translates, oh, wow. well, he, he asked me to help him find a translator for one of his books, for one mm -hmm. of his novels. And he asked me which I thought would better in the translation. So, I mean, he writes his books in Dutch, but he then, he translates them, but he needs someone to smooth it out. Right, um, right. I would love to get a story from him, but it would be translated already into English. I mean, I'm not yep. gonna, I, you know, the thing is you have to, who do you pay? Yes. That's one of the issues. Yep. I mean, when I bought those stories for Omni, we paid the translator, we didn't pay the author. I hmm. assume and hope that the author, the translators paid the authors, but yeah. that was not within my purview. Yeah. I, I want to say something about that John's story. Oh, well, I was going to say, funny, let's talk about funny, John's story. And it has to do with translation, okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got me here. The title. I love the I, original title. Yeah. I forget me too. What it, was. it was Blood's Uyghur. Yeah. Okay. However, however, he discovered, unfortunately, from someone who, who read the story, that his, the the people are Norwegian, right? They're Danish. Danish. And okay. So, okay. The, so okay. So someone read the story and said that is not the word for what you're using. That is the wrong word. Wow. That is Dutch. Yeah. And so we had to change it oh. to a title that I don't like as much. <laughs> no, I, and I have to be honest, I don't, I don't really either, you know, I know. And, and I, I, I really and I think, can't you change all the people to Dutch instead of Danish? Well, I th I, and I really thought about like, if I, if I had figured this out um, earlier. six months earlier that I would have, and, and because the Dutch thing would have, I could have made that work with the history of the Hudson Valley and yeah. Dutch settlement, sure, and that sort of sure. stuff. It just... It's just a yeah. silly thing and no one else would know the difference, but because we both knew the 
two titles we know. And to be honest with you, I, I really thought about just leaving it and not telling anybody, but somebody I knew that really somebody, hate it. Somebody, right, would, somebody, somebody, somebody would be it? like, how dare you? That was Dutch. That, and I would have been like, oh, you got me. Yeah. yeah. Got. Was that before we went to copy it? And I wonder if the copy editor would have noticed, would have caught it. Uh, I think it was before copy edit. I'm, but I I'm mean, not 100% it's possible, sure. it's possible if we, I mean, we have, I don't remember who, I don't know who copy edited it, but it's a small possibility it might have caught it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the uh, I saw the uh, original title in the uh, in the arc that you. Yeah, and the again. original title just like it sing, it's got that like this sort of zip to it, you know. Yeah. Whereas the new one just sounds like a diabetes <laughs> medication. <Yeah. laughs> so and, and so, how would you pronounce the original title you had, and then the uh, the revised title? Well, the original know? title was something like Bloodsweeger. Yeah. Um, but it looks like Bloodsweeger, you know, or, or Bloodsweeger, you know, yeah. the new one is more like, like uh, blood sugar or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it looks like blood sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I am diabetic. So maybe that was like some kind of subliminal thing. But yeah, uh, very good. Well, what do you want? What do you want to <laughs> tell people about your story? What should they know about it that you're willing to give away here on the podcast? I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I have to admit that I did not start writing it for Ellen. Um, and, uh, I, I know she's going to be like, how dare you? <laughs> um, what happened was I was contacted. Um, there was an editor who was putting together a collection of stories, horror stories about New York state. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my stuff is, you know, set in and around the Hudson Valley. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And at the same time I had had this, um, I don't know where it came from. It was a dream or just like one of those sort of images that comes to you of, um, uh, like a sort of frozen circulatory system, uh, like like a sort of a winter landscape with this frozen circulatory system. And, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And my wife and son were like, that would never happen. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I mean, to a certain extent, the story that was like, oh, I'm going to write a, a story about, about New York state, mm -hmm. which deals with, with, with like, which sort of gets to that image or, 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 or figures out that image. And um a lot of it, I was just using auto, I was using autobiography. The party that the characters attend is, yeah. is not even too loosely based on a party that, that my son and I have gone to for a number of years. And the people who host the party are, are um, mingled Scandinavian ancestry. So I think that suggested the Danish part of, of things. Mm -hmm. um, and there came to, um, I came to a moment writing the story where I thought, oh my God, you've written another fishing story. Um, and, uh, and I'm not, I don't fish. I should like, my son is this great fly fisherman. I do not fish, but it's just, obviously I've got the novel, the fisherman, and I have a few other stories where fishing has just popped up. And I was like, oh my God, here it goes again. And oh look, and now you've got a story within the story and it's, which I do all the time, but you know, it's set in the past. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? And I talked to Laird Barron about this and uh and laird said lean into it he, he said don't uh, run away from it he said if uh, this is what you're like if this is a kind of thing like like a kind of story you write then lean into that and yeah. just go go whole hog with it and that helped uh that, yeah. that actually helped to just say okay don't run away from uh from what you do but okay yeah you're right that's another thing that fishing is some kind of metaphor that really works for me go ahead and and do that and um and yeah it, it uh it became, it's it's funny, the, the reason I mentioned uh, Glenn earlier, Glenn Hirschberg, was with the ending of this story, I was really thinking about the way that Glenn uh, often ends his stories. You know, he often has these really brilliant, beautiful lyrical endings. Mm. And I was like, damn it, I'm going to do a Hirschberg ending. I'm not just going nice. to do one of these endings where, you know, it like sort of stops on a stops on a dime as it were I want something that's like you know and when Glenn is doing that I always think he's looking back in the direction of Bradbury at his at his best and I thought that's that's what I'm going for here so it's it's not supposed to be um uh you know and and then the hand rose from the grave you know it's not supposed to be that it is supposed to be sort of elegiac and expansive yes. and, and yes. uh not necessarily scary in the in the immediate sense mm -hmm. of things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, wait. A so what happened to the anthology it was supposed to be for? <laughs> I missed the deadline. Surprise! Oh. <laughs> Can you tell me what like, it was? What anthology? It was uh, Jim Chambers' New York State of Fright oh, right. anthology, yeah. and, and I thought, uh, oh, I thought that it was only people um, who were members of um, HWA. Yeah, somehow I got an the, invitation. The New York 
um, the, that the, chapter the chapter which yeah. I'm of. yeah oh I didn't yeah know. so uh, well that was I mean and maybe that was why because after a certain point like I wrote to Jim and I was like hey buddy how are things going and like there was nothing and then the anthology was out like a month later so oh, maybe oh. they were just uh, that's not fair but does he know wasn't. does he know that that story was no <laughs> no he will after this podcast yeah. someone will tell him <laughs> I'm like, sorry Sama. I didn't know <laughs> yes, it's all yes. John's fault. It is. It is. I I do not argue that. And it's very long. It is a novella. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. I, I was going to say that it is actually Only a novella. It's a novella. And, and Boy, is it a novella. Do, do you? <laughs> would you consider it a period piece? Because, like as you've mentioned, there's the, the lead character, uh, uh, the protagonist. So you know, the setting is you and your son David go to a party um, and it's all, you know, uh, everyone's there at this location fishing. And while you're sitting there um, in the, you know, the, the, the main area, uh, uh, you strike up a conversation with a woman named Doris. Uh, and then she goes into a story about her childhood and her, her growing up with her grandparents. Um, and, and so it's set in such a, um, such a distinct time period and such a distinct place. She's out in the countryside. She's really kind of kind of isolated from the, uh, you know, like urban centers and modern, you know, the, the modernity of, of the cities. Um, do you think of it as a period piece? And I, I'm assuming it's kind of set in the 1950s, maybe the 40s? Late, actually, it's late, late 60s. Um, oh, okay. It's, yeah, yeah. It's because her father has been killed in Vietnam. Um, right. a part of it was right. I had actually met uh, a, a woman at one of these parties who didn't tell me any kind of story, but like yeah. she was my kind of model for the um, the appearance of, of Doris. And then when I thought about that, I thought, well, this woman looks like she's this age. And if she's this age, then if this had happened to her when she was a child, it would, you know, so, so to a certain extent, it was just the, the kind of narrative logic that was like, oh, okay, this must be the 60s then. Yeah. And um, uh, the Revolutionary War, I mean, that's something that kind of looms, uh, uh, for, particularly for Kingston, um, or Wiltwick, as it is in the story. Um, it's, it's something that looms large, that the British did actually burn the place down because mm. they were sailing... They were sailing north to join the what they thought were going to be the victorious British troops coming down from Saratoga. Yeah. That didn't work out, and they just got mad. So they just they just kind of like like unleashed on Kingston just just because they were pissed. Yeah, um, and yeah. It, it was just a kind of an act of of uh, uh, terror, I, I guess you would yeah. say. Yeah. And um, so so the chance to incorporate that though into a story was like too much to resist. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, this is in terms of European settlement. This is one of the oldest areas of the country, obviously, mm. the the northeast. And and I think even in terms of the native peoples who've been here, you know, have been here, I think since before the end of the last uh, ice age. But there's mm. a, you know, north of me in Socrates, uh, it might even be a little north of Socrates on the river. There's a, an old flint mine, um, and they think that this flint mine was used, you know, 11, 12,000 years ago. Wow. So wow. either the ice sheets are just retreating, or they might even still be still be there. So, um, so yeah, that that history that you can find, <laughs> you can find so much there, or insert so much there, however you want to put that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and I think the. Um, the laying down of these historical details of the Re Revolutionary War, for example, um, and then the details about like some strange encounters that the local populace have uh, that are all kind of relayed. As, I think it's the um, uh, Doris's uh, maybe grandmother was worked in the public library. One of the, yeah, yeah, one yeah. Of the, yeah, the, the Woodstock yeah. Public Library. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And so, and and that's up in the story. That's the source of a number of these details. But it. It kind of weaves it together so much that, uh, like, I don't know where the the facts end and the fiction begins. Um, and, I, and I think that's part of the fun of this story is that, um, well, you know, for all for all I know, there were strange encounters going on, and they got maybe got detailed uh, and 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 documented from his local folklore. Ellen. Yeah. Nah. No, no, <laughs> that, that was the made up part. Ellen was like, I don't believe that you think yeah. that you, you tell me the British sailed up the river in ships. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. You're telling yeah, me they burned Kingston to the ground. Come that on. Whole, that whole revolutionary war was, that just, never that. It was a disagreement. That was in a didn't happen. That's yeah. like the moon. It doesn't exist. Um, yeah, nice. it's it, uh, I I um, I kind of feel like as I get older, um, I'm going back or, or, or I don't know how to put it. You know, you, you sort of look in the mirror sometimes, right? And you're like, man, I really do look like my dad, don't I? Or, 
yeah, you know, my mom yeah. or whatever. And and for me, you know, some of that is it's it's looking in the mirror and being like, oh, there's Stephen King and there's Peter Straub and there's Faulkner and and there's yeah. Hawthorne and and yeah. you know, like like that um that, that just that that is kind of who I am, I guess, in some ways. And all of those guys are interested in in place and placeness and the and the the deep identity of place and yeah. and so uh so yeah, I I just um I guess I just think of myself as, as I still want to do, and I still try to do new and different things in, in stories, but every now and again, it's like, well, this is also who I am. So yeah, yeah. rather than trying to to force something all the time, it's like, let me just see what, what happens if I go a little farther down these paths I've mm -hmm. already gone down. Yeah, yeah. Well, it felt new, very new to me. I mean, the whole, you know, the creature. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and kind of, I don't want to give anything away here, but how they kind of deal with the monster and have to try to defeat the monster. I, I don't think I've seen anything quite like that before. It, it's, it actually gets um, pretty gruesome at, at points, which is funny because it's, it is in a lot of ways, a very sweet story. This girl, Doris and her grandparents that what, what are they, what does she call them? They have like a uh, more, 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 more and more fun. Uh, and I'm Morpha, probably yeah. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of, of those. <laughs> Morpha is grandfather, and Mormor -Mor is is grandma or grandmother. Yes, yes. Um, and, and, but it, it does seem like um, I think you're you're assisted in the story a little bit by just how far away they are from the rest of civilization. And then, you know, she like lives this kind of idyllic, sweet life with grandparents who care about her, uh, and her, her many dogs who live in the house. Uh, but then uh, you know, and, and you get a sense that yeah, these are these are this is like folks you know who are not uh, who are fairly recent immigrants they probably haven't been yeah, yeah. in yeah. america for like more than three generations so they very much feel like they're part of the old world but um but something else from the old world has come over as well yeah it's um, it's, it's funny like like one of the things I thought to myself when I, when I was, when I was like, oh man, the, the podcast is coming up and, you know, what am I going to say about the story? Um, and one of the things that struck me that hadn't struck me before was I thought, man, you know, I'm also a big fan of Isak Denison's work, mm -hmm. uh, Seven Gothic Tales and, and such, especially Seven Gothic Tales. And I've, I've taught that a couple of times and I just love her stuff. And it's, it's, um, they're, I would like to argue, like, I would like to be able to say, oh, consciously I was imitating, I wasn't consciously, but there's, if you, if you tried to make that argument say, no, John, I think there's some similarities here. I would have to say, yeah, kinda, you know? And, and I think there was also something, you know, Victor Laval wrote a novel called The Changeling a couple of years mm -hmm. ago in which the monster is a troll. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mean an internet family, like an actual yeah, troll. Yeah. And he and I had a conversation about it. And, and I said, you know, Victor, I wonder, like, so often in horror stories, you know, old horror stories, the monster comes from, you know, darkest Africa or something like that, right? And I was like, were you trying to sort of flip that? And it's like, oh, no, the, the monster comes from brightest Norway or whatever, yeah, you know? And, yeah. and he said, yeah. And, and I, I definitely felt a little bit of that, you know, that, that there's so much in the folklore of the place you know I, my, my family's scottish and irish there's so much in that folklore that mm -hmm. is horrifying you know that yeah. is that is weird and mysterious that that you don't have to reach that far you know like yeah. like like to, to find these things that are just kind of wild and crazy and and yeah. so I, I think that was also that was also a little bit of it um mm -hmm. And Woodstock, you know, the thing is that Woodstock, most people think about it, they associate it with the concert, right? Mm -hmm. You and half a million of your best friends. Yeah. But that was held an hour away from the actual town of Woodstock. Yeah. And Woodstock itself, uh, until much more recently, it was, you know, an arts colony. It was a rural little place. Mm -hmm. And the Catskills still... Um, you know, you can be up and, you know, the Catskills, like the Woodstock's about half an hour from my house. And um, they lose power all the time during the winter. And their really? winter storms, just that half an hour, you know, uh, north and west from me, um, their winter storms, because they're in the mountains and, and what have you, man, their winter storms, they get like a couple of feet of snow where maybe wow. we get like, say, like eight inches or something like huh. that. And they're looking at between like 12 and 18 or something. Yeah. So it, it can be a much more remote place, uh, which is what I kind of love about it. You know, I kind of yeah. love the, the mystery of that um, and of the of the of this area in in general. But mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it reminds me of, um, I guess, the Dunwich horror is probably the closest thing 
uh, you know, or well, or the color out of space. Actually, the, those two classic Lovecraft stories, where uh, it's so much about this outsider coming in and exploring this land. It's not just a guy going up against a monster. It's a it's a guy kind of understanding the getting a, a sense of the lay of the land and what people are normally like. But there's something very wrong happening in both of these stories, and it starts eating away at the community, terrorizing them, corrupting them, and in different ways. Uh, but it's to me the impact is there because you, the impact of the horror is there because you know a little bit about what the normality should be like. Um, and I do kind of wonder if like you're having this older woman Doris looking back at her childhood, telling the story so gently and so delicately, and she does describe some horrific things and some terrifying things that happen. Um, but it, she also delivers it so gently that maybe it's a way of, I guess, lowering people's defenses, kind of getting them thinking, oh, no, this isn't going to be bad. This isn't going to be bad. And then something really horrible happens. If that's maybe a tactic that you're using in delivering the story for maximum impact. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I, I, I guess a little bit, you know, my, um, there've been a couple of times I've written stories. I remember early on uh, my, my literary agent and I, when I would like send her stuff to, to read initially, you know, and, and she would say to me, yeah, you know, I read that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then later at night, I was like, that's really messed up, you know, and, and that's great. Like, like I, yes. I, I have tried to write um, more recently, you know, Brian Keene was making fun of me. I've, I've mentioned this in a couple of podcasts, so clearly this bothers me, right? Yeah. That Brian Keene was making fun of me. You know, he would never write a splatterpunk story. He's yeah, too good yeah. for us, you know? So I wrote this story that was intended to be much more grim and, and gruesome for uh, for Dark Stars, for the the, the John Taffin anthology. Oh, and, yes. I, I, and it's another novella, so, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, and it was a, a really unlikable protagonist and it was, you know, the, like I was like, I'll splatter punk you. Um, so oh, I- And, I, and it's, it's gruesome. I mean, as soon as I read it- that's, oh, I can't uh, wait it, to read it. It's called <laughs> Enough for- You're gonna be enough, like, that's disappointing. <laughs> it's uh, called Enough for Hunger and Enough for Hate. Uh, and it's it's uncharacteristically gruesome, and I'm so proud. Yeah, of yeah. I, I thought I, I was like, I am gonna. I'll show you. I'll so show you. Key. Did you read this, Brian? Read it? I don't think he has, and I think he would probably still be like amateur, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I wouldn't blame him. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I. Um, I, I think, I, I don't think it's as hard. Like people are always like, you can't do a jump scare on the page. And I'm like, well, not exactly, but yeah. I think you can come close. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I and, and I, I probably have, like if I thought about it, like, but not deliberately. I, I've yeah. never been like, ah, oh, this is gonna be my jump scare. Um, <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of the thing that lingers in somebody's mind. You know, yeah. I, I do yeah. I do hope that if, if uh, I mean, look, I'm not letting my kid go ice fishing after this, after writing, you know, <laughs> it's not like, no way that yeah. ain't happening, you know, yeah, he's 19. Sure. So like, what can I do? You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, um, and, and so la last question that I want to ask about the story and then Ellen, if you have any questions you want to ask or, or other comments. So there, there is no real Doris that you met at a party who told you anything like the story, right? My lawyers have instructed me to say there is nobody like that. Un understood. Thank you. Okay. Very good. Um, mm -hmm. Ellen, anything else that you want to mention about the story? No, no. I just really like it. <laughs> Thank now, you. Now, in your introduction to uh, to Screams from the Dark, um, Ellen, you, you talk about kind of the role monsters have played or the, or the development of the ideas of monsters. And, and, and just like, just from a very high level, it seems like from, you know, from from early on, the 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 word monster was like I think uh, monere or something or monstrum uh, yeah. in Latin, and it was the idea was was kind of like a warning or an instruction, uh, mm -hmm. like hey, these are the parameters of the universe in which you you live. Something strange is going on here, and these things, the or creatures or whatever, are slightly off. Mm -hmm. And, and and you quote like good old Saint Augustine. You you quote Saint Augustine um, talking about these monsters as being kind of marvels of this created world. It, it it made me think about, of course, the the Book of Job, where you've got Job saying to God, God, why did you let all these horrible things happen to me? And then God says, Look, you really really don't understand the full picture here. I mean, did you have you gone swimming with Leviathan, the giant 
you know, sea-based monster? Uh, have you been running around the fields with Behemoth, this giant land monster, um, and just kind of sets us up as kind of the parameters of, look, there's, there's like, a, this is a very big picture and you're not really, see, you don't really see it. I don't know if that helps Joe feel any better about the situation, but those two, those two classic monsters uh, from, from ancient literature show up there and they do kind of act as sort of that warning or that instruction, a lesson there. But then um, you go on in the introduction to talk about how it, it yeah, that this image of the monster becomes something that is um, more kind of a, a, a abnormal or corruption and then eventually leading to something that is, is actually morally evil. And I, I just wonder if you have any just thoughts about how the how the monster um, has changed our understanding of it, our use of it in literature, how it's changed well, thing, over the years. One, but one the thing that I did learn while writing the introduction and was thinking more about is women, is how the women mm. have become were made monsters. The, I mean, some of the monsters, a lot of um, women in Greek mythology were punished for do, for things that they didn't do. Right. They were made monsters, um, some of them. Right. So and, a god comes in, has his way with this. Yeah, woman, and then and, and that the god's wife. Yeah, the wife yeah. or or the god himself punishes yeah. the woman and makes creates monsters out of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that really interesting. Medusa uh, being perhaps the most famous of, of those situations out of Greek mythology. Yeah. 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 Um, so and to me, that was what really stuck with me a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, monsters have changed and they, be, you know, from what they were originally from the word, I mean, they, they became something corrupted, more immoral, amoral, disgusting. Um, and one should have pity for them, I mm. think, some of them. Mm. Um, I mean, look at, you know, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. I mean, he was... It was created. He was created by someone who was horrible. I mean, the, yeah. the guy who created him was not a good guy. Right, and and that in your introduction, you bring that point up. Like, who's really the monster here? Is it the creature or is it the, is the man who created him? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that goes back to the Joyce Carol Oates story, where you know humans are have done monstrous acts for throughout history, mm -hmm. and um, so yeah, I mean, it's a moral. The moral decision, I think, to decide this this is a monster and this is not a monster. Hmm. Yes, yes. What is monstrous? What what? And if, an action creates monstrosity in a way. I think mm -hmm. you know you become monstrous by doing something evil. Yeah, and it seems like a I don't know over and John, I'd love to have your thoughts on this as well. I just think about um, really how our concept of monsters has changed in particular since the 19th century, which kind of on, on one end is buttressed by, you know, Shelley's Frankenstein and on the other by Stoker's Dracula. Uh, it seems like since then, to me, I think you, you've got a, you know, a movement heading toward finding the, you know, that which is monstrous, not an outside thing that is monstrous and represents the worst of like the world we live in or, 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 the, or the horrible parts about the human experience. But that the monsters really in us, the Jekyll and Hyde kind of uh, kind of thing. But yeah, uh, and and you know another point that like you know, two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, whales are the leviathan. They're terrifying. They they're the monster figure. Uh, not that many years ago, um, and now you know, we put put you know, videos of whales swimming around with tranquil music, and they're and they're beautiful. That image mm -hmm. of the whale has. Has vastly changed. Uh, no, you don't really use whales as monsters anymore. You want to protect them because uh, they're endangered. So yeah. yeah, it just seems like um, the focus has shifted a lot from you know you know enormous size or or uh, well, carnivorous I mean, on mutation or I mean mm -hmm. you look at carnivals and freak shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know how the outside of the person these are people and their <laughs> outsides were they were judged is depraved because of what they look like mm -hmm. and hopefully to some extent that's changed you know yeah <laughs> and not enough but it has changed somewhat yeah yeah uh, I, I would think the, the movie freaks did a lot to change that um 
uh, as, as questionable as it was to to use actual cir you know circus sideshow freaks in a movie yeah. and let's exploit them for the movie, but but in doing that it also humanized them, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, I was thinking about um, Clive Barker because mm -hmm. um, what I was thinking about was I was thinking about how one of the things I think has happened, like you see recently, is the the monsters, the quote unquote monsters, become the good guys, and then the people yeah. who are hunting them, they're actually the bad guys, right? Yeah. And but yeah. then I was thinking, but then like like Clive Barker's short novel Cabal, um, that's the most I, I think the most um, I, I don't know concentrated example of yeah. that, you know, yeah. where where you've got this guy who feels that he's always been an outsider, mm -hmm. and he goes to find Midian, the city of monsters. Uh, in Canada, of all places, and <laughs> um, and he's being the 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 he's being pursued by a serial killer who's his psychiatrist, mm -hmm. uh, played very memorably by David Cronenberg in the yeah. film. Um, and I've always thought that there's I mean, in addition to that, like I've always thought that Barker's that novella or short novel is doing a lot of stuff because I also think there's a kind of dialogue in there between sort of slasher movies versus monster movies, mm -hmm. if you will. And, and, you know, the, the monsters win, like the monsters are more fun than the, than the yeah. slasher. But, um, and so it, it does like some of me, like, like Ellen's used the word monstrous. Right. And, and I feel like, um, like that is maybe that's how we define monsters. To, like, 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 which is just, really sort of echoing what Ellen's already said that it, it's about monstrousness as opposed so so like like you know a kind of quality that you have as opposed to an appearance you can mm -hmm. look in you know the elephant man right you, you can yeah. look in whatever yeah. way you 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 look but what you're actually it, it's what you're doing uh, or what you are inside right. as it yeah. as it were but yeah. it's funny because in the like the 19th century just for the sake of whatever I mean you know, Frankenstein's monster, right, is a study in, in, in a way, you know, how someone becomes, how this innocent being becomes monstrous, because, yeah. you know, is so, um, and, and is driven to, to madness uh, of a kind, or moral madness, by the actions of this very irresponsible person who creates him, and, and, at the end, you know, the monster just escapes. Like, like we, yeah. we, you know, the monster's like, I'm going to kill myself. Don't worry. But, you know, we never see that. Yeah. Um, in Dracula, one of the things that's interesting is that as the novel goes on, you know, Van Helsing has all these kind of crackpot scientific ideas. And Van Helsing ultimately is like Dracula himself is like a sort of slave to vampirism. Mm -hmm. And we have to save Dracula from this monstrous affliction that yeah. possesses him. So yeah. that like in, in, in it, it's interesting that, that, and I don't think this gets talked about a lot with Dracula, because it's more fun to have Dracula as like, you know, Frank Langella is my, my kind of favorite Dracula, I think, yeah. you know, but, um, but it's more fun to have that than it is to have like this, this person or, or this, this being who is in fact, like a vessel for this, this thing, this, this horrible affliction. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure what that does to the monster in a way, you know, like, like Frankenstein's monster. And I think you get this even in a lot of the early films, even though he's inarticulate, he's driven to violence by these things that are, are done to him, right? Yeah. Whereas in, in Dracula, um, there isn't really, in, in, in the novel, there is this sense of we have to, even Dracula has to get saved. Yeah. Um, but that's not something the movies are like, no, put a stake through his heart and do it really quickly, you know? Yeah. It can yeah. be off stage or off screen, that's fine. We hear Lugosi groan, we're like, good job. Um, <laughs> or, or um, um, I mean, there's a, I think Coppola's Dracula kind of tries to get at that there, in its own very confused much so. way. There, I, I, very I much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a. It is a kind of a moment of salvation at the end for Dracula. He's got to die to get. You know, he's got to yeah, be yeah, killed yeah, for that. Yeah. Chop off. Um, well, your girlfriend chops off your head, and then you're good. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I mean, hey. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so religious to believe that um, he needs salvation. Yeah, yeah. That, that he's well. That that is that for Van Helsing, right? It's within that mm -hmm. that uh, you know a, a very Christian uh, uh, framework, right? That the cross. The cross that the host has that effect on him and right you know so therefore it must it, it validates the framework uh, yeah yeah um and dr jekyll and mr hyde is just weird 
Yeah. Uh, I think in some ways it's my it's my maybe my favorite of all of them. I can't yeah. remember I've ever read it. I mean, I know I've seen it, but I've never. I don't know oh, the book is it. so good. It's weird. Like it's put together weird, and part of the thing is like you know that like you know everybody's like, what's happening to Doctor Jekyll? And yeah. and you, you know you just. But uh, there's a point where I mean, the point of Jekyll is he's a massive hypocrite. He yeah. wants to. He's an older man. He wants to get his freak on, and he doesn't want anybody to see him. <laughs> so he's like, "Hey, here comes Mr. Hyde," you know. Yes, yes. And Mr. Hyde is horrifying, but yeah. like Jekyll is just afraid of getting caught. He's not really. He's deeply immoral, uh, yeah. and in in ways that like Dracula, at least you can argue is a, is is enthralled to this monstrous appetite. Mm -hmm. Doctor Jekyll just wants to party. You know, yeah. he he just doesn't want to get. Now you're making me want to read it. <laughs> well, and then there's this yeah. wonderful there's this wonderful line that I've always wondered. No one's really done anything with this. Uh, Jekyll says at one point, like I imagine in the future, like in essence that we'll discover that humans are actually like this kind of multiplicity of selves. He's mm. like, for the moment, I can only release, like it's only me and Hyde. But he's like, I imagine in the future, we're gonna find out we're all kinds of different things. Mm. Um, and I've always thought there's there's definitely some kind of narrative, yeah. like that there's, rather than just writing, I don't know what, mm -hmm. um, cheap knockoffs, you know, like like that's actually a really interesting idea yeah. for uh, for a narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, maybe, maybe I haven't seen it yet, but from what I understand, but maybe everything everywhere all at once kind of plays on that idea of we're, mm -hmm. we are so many different things. And here's this mm -hmm. film yeah, in which Michelle Yeoh encounters all yeah. of these different versions. I of am himself. large. I am multitudes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Walt Whitman. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is great. Uh, Robert Louis Stevenson and Walt Whitman and, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, we are nothing if not cultured. This is so cultured. And John Langan, man, John freaking Langan. Oh, so, and Ellen freaking Datlow, the Ellen queen of horror. Datlow, yes, the empress, the empress of horror. The empress fiction. of horror. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I just called her the queen. What is wrong with me? No, it's the empress of horror fiction. And John, you'll always be the, the archbishop of horror to me. I'll, um, I'll take archbishop. I would even take bishop. You know, yeah, I don't have to be archbishop. I could just be bishop. That's it's a, fine. It's a cush job right there. Of a small diocese in, yes. you know, wherever, Transylvania. But you know. I say in uh, relive. <laughs> yes. You, you know that it, it takes a bishop to authorize an exorcism. Like a local priest can't do that. It's got to be oh, a bishop. Okay. So. Are you going to exorcise me? No. That is well, not. That is not what the Conjuring movies. Have oh no, maybe it does happen. The Conjuring movies. I'm trying yeah. to remember. I think uh, they do. They do sort of seek the bishop's approval. They, they. I think that there was a specific bishop that they actually that they worked with folks in that area for those kind of cases. Uh, anyway, let's. Um, I, I want to turn real quick to a uh, lightning round of questions for you. Uh, so uh, I'd love to have both of you weigh on this. Real short questions. What was your unreasonably scary childhood monster? For me, it was the Catman monster who fought um, Linda Carter in the 70s Wonder Woman show. I don't know why, but that thing scared me. And I had recurring nightmares about the monster, the Catman monster. How about for you guys? What was your unreasonably scary childhood monster? Well, it was the witch under my bed. Yes. <laughs> I what was, was afraid it? to get out of bed. I don't know how old I was, eight years old, seven. And I was afraid to get out of bed because I was afraid the witch would get me. Perfect. Is that, you think they found the Wizard of Oz, maybe? No, I haven't seen the Wizard of Oz at that point. I yeah. don't think so. so. How about for you, John? Well, you know, I was going to say Frankenstein's monster, yeah. uh, which is absolutely true. But then when you said Wonder Woman, I remembered Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, yes. Holy cow, did that terrify me. So that was uh, apparently Andre the Giant. And I it was. learned that Yeah, the first, uh, no first and third appearances were Andre the Giant. The second okay. appearance was someone else. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, no, no, that, that guy, uh, that uh, Bigfoot was uh, terrifying. Um, if you had to encounter a monster, which one would you prefer? I mean, and what, what do you mean by encounter? You're, you're going to have to run into them in an alley or in the woods, oh, sit down, oh. have dinner with them. Are we going to, oh, dinner, that would be different. That's, um, that's your vampire kind of monster, I suppose. I think the werewolves, now I have three cats. I'm pretty good at giving them the under the chin scratches. So I might, <laughs> I might have some, might be able to get away with the werewolf. Might be able to, yeah. But werewolves would be more like dogs. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. you know, that's, yeah, yeah. man. Um, because I feel like, well, if you were to see, like, say, like the Loch Ness monster, right? Oh, yeah. That yeah. you would see that presumably at a distance, like close enough that you could be like, oh Smart. my God, that's an actual sort of plesiosaur thing. Yeah. But far enough away that it couldn't eat you. 
You know, you wouldn't want to be out like like those those fishermen or who've gone out in boats with like big hunks of meat, and then the next morning there's no hunk of meat or any fishermen found. Yes, yeah. No, thank you. Um, I don't think I'd want to meet a monster in person. I'm sorry, I'm a wimp. What classic monster do you think is most misunderstood or has a bad rap? Now, I'll tell you my, and we've talked about Frankenstein some. It's fine if that's your answer, but I'll tell you mine. Polyphemus, the Cyclops, because all he's trying to do is just enjoy his, you know, the cave life with his tiny flock of sheep and and along comes Odysseus and, and his troop of frat boys and they poke him in the eye. Like yeah. that's just horrible. And then they make fun of him uh, afterward. So I think he I think he kind of drew the short end of the, uh, the short Medea. straw there. I like Medea. I feel bad for her, yeah. especially her background. I mean, she really was, you know, screwed up by the gods. Yeah, so not yeah. her fault. Then, but it, but she does count as a monster. I guess she's using yes, witchcraft, she, right? She's got magical powers. Well, and stuff. wait a minute. She turns people into stone. You know? oh, that's Medusa. Oh, Medusa. That's Medusa. What did I say? Medea. Medea. Medea who and, murders her own that, children. No, I meant Medusa. Sorry about that. I was like, oh my God. She killed both her kids. But Medea's you know, fine. Which one no, of us Medea's fine. No, I meant, I'm sorry. I meant Medusa. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I felt bad for her. Well, Me, I don't, actually, I definitely feel bad. I. I can relate to Medea. I mean, yeah. she killed them to get back her cheating husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I meant Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> well, Medusa's a good one. Um, John, what about you? What's your your most piteous monster? Oh man, you know, it's it's uh, maybe Frankenstein's monster. I mean, I, it's I, King I, Kong. I, King Kong. He did nothing bad. Oh yeah, yeah. King Kong was great. Yeah. He, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe people. King Kong. Yeah, he just wants to be left alone and fight yeah. his dinosaurs and that sort of yeah. stuff. And, yeah, and, uh, live and let live. You know? There's a yeah. wonderful moment in the in the King Kong in the original King Kong when um, he's broken out, and uh, the people, the native peoples who guard the the wall and guard the gate, a couple of them are on this kind of like you know platform structure, wooden platform structure, and they're throwing spears at him. And I remember thinking to myself, God, here you are. This is your God. Your God has yeah. appeared and you're trying to, to hurt God or kill God with your spear. There's yeah. something about that that just really made a, a deep, deep impression. Interesting. But wow. I would still go with Frankenstein, Ellen. I'm sorry. Okay. So um, last thing we have is a couple of uh, questions from the listener mailbag. Dozing Dragon asks, what's your personal take on making an inhuman monster as compelling as a human one? John, you want to? Take that on. What's well, I, I think that there were, you know, there there were um, my, my immediate thought, right, is there are two ways you can go with it, right? So one way um, is is that you you humanize it, you know, you anthropomorphize it and, and personify it in, in some way, shape, or form. So that this inhuman thing seems to have motivations that we can recognize. And you're like, oh, okay, even if I don't fully understand all of it, I, I get it. It's protecting its territory. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. I made it angry because I trespassed or something like that. Um, and, and the other possibility is is just that you you don't. You know, Joe, Joe Lansdale has a story. I go back and forth on how much I like it because it's about an evil dog. Um, and I love <laughs> dogs. But it's yeah. this guy is just being chased by this dog. He, for some reason, he runs afoul of this great big dog and it just pursues him. And the whole story is just a pursuit story. And it's it's very it's it's very frightening and it's yeah. very well done, but it's also very simple. So part yeah. of me thinks that, you know, and or the, the other thing in here, is that you know you have um, we we don't know like like let's think about animals right we don't know why they do all the things that they they do all their behaviors we mm -hmm. think we do and we hypothesize and that sort of stuff but um, so I think sometimes just allowing things to be to do what they do um, but but without trying to impose any kind of external rationalization on them the mm -hmm. thing you got to realize I think is that two things one is that your reader is i think going to impose potentially some kind of motivation on it like like you may be like no this thing is impossible to understand you have no idea and your reader is going to be like well obviously blah 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 <laughs> and part of that i think is because whenever you have like a creature in proximity to a to a human being there's going to be some kind of inevitable kind of mirroring that happens or, 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 you know, you're going to be like, well, look, this person is really nice and the monster's really not, you know, like, 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 oh, so it's clearly a foil. So like people just, we're interpreting monkeys, you know, we, we can't help ourselves. We're just always trying to interpret things. So I, I wouldn't, um, 
I, I almost want to say I would worry more about writing a compelling story, oh, and then yeah. the monster will take care of its will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Um, uh, Ellen uh, G weeps on Reddit asks if there'll be an audiobook version of Screams from the Dark. Um, we're not sure yet. I'm sure there will be. I just actually someone asked me that on Twitter, and I checked with my publisher. Um, they, the subrights department, it's not an automatic thing. Macmillan won't be doing it, but they'll be trying to sell the rights to someone else. So hopefully yeah. there'll be at some point. Cool. Very good. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. one, one of the, one of the, um, most important kind of audiobook experiences for me was back when I, I decided a few years ago to kind of check back into the horror, contemporary horror fiction scene was the um, audiobook of your um, best of the best horror of the year, which is like that 10 year kind of compilation uh, and introduced me to so many uh, writers who, who I'm, uh, you know, follow and I'm a big fan of now. Uh, and that it was just more convenient for me to listen while I was Doing was it a good version? I never listened to audiobooks and I never, I've never listened to any of mine. I don't know. No. I have no idea if they're good or bad. Uh, that one was I mean, very good. Well, you know, sometimes yeah. you get complaints. Um, it's very seldom, every once in a while, I've had a book, an audiobook happening, and the publishers send me the people who are reading it and they want to mm -hmm. know how to pronounce things. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's tough when you have 20 writers or something yeah. like I don't know you know <laughs> sure. you in touch with those writers and, and ask yeah. them yeah uh, so that was kind of a weird situation I have no idea how the book came out it was I think one of the fairy tale anthologies or mythic series with Terry mm. because I know, was, I know they asked me about Jane Yolen and that's what she's been in so I don't remember yeah. you know so that's kind of a weird experience like yes yes I don't know <laughs> So but, and, but, and you you have no like you don't have any input in which voice actors get chosen no, to do no. stories. I mean, things. I suppose if I, I'm just happy they're made into audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I maybe if I begged them to get someone, nah, it's like why would they care? I just realized, wait a minute, I just got one. Um, someone did they, the publisher did contact me, and I don't remember which book it was. But the person was supposed to be doing an English accent. They gave me examples of two or three different people doing, huh. and I thought one was terrible. Oh, so wow. Me a, I can't even remember what book it was, but it was a recent one. It might have <laughs> been When Things Get Dark. Yeah. And they sent me audio files of like two or three people, and I chose which I like best. Nice. So, I mean, that never happened to me before. Wow. I'll never listen to the end, you know, final book anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you've been you've been doing this for forty years, and you still are having new experiences now working in 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 the audiobook world just a tiny bit. I love that. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of disappointed. Echoes was not made into an audiobook and may not because it's so big. I mean, no. Oh yeah. Oh so no, really this this thing's huge. That. Well, I mean, how many pages is this? This book is longer uh, than Screams from the Dark, which uh, my the the book the um publisher who acquired it wanted it to be huge and I I said yeah. no yeah I said no I'm not going to yeah. echoes didn't do well because it was too big I am not going to do that again he said oh, 800 pages yeah, yeah. And, there was, and there were three reprints I didn't have to use the reprints you know if I known that it would be a problem but yeah. anyway no I I said no we're not doing 200 and whatever thousand words I'll do this <laughs> many words but I'm not doing that and so yeah well, no, Screams in the Dark is a, it's about 500, I think maybe a little over 500 pages. It is a, a very uh, rich, full volume. And I've read most of the stories and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, thrilled to have a new Livia Llewellyn, new Nathan Ballingrud. We've got more John Langan in here. Uh, we've got uh, stories from authors like this is my, my first uh, Indra Das uh, story that I've read. And it's, it's terrifying. Uh, Joyce, and it's Joyce very Shapiro. human. I mean, it's really very oh, human. Yes. Yes, very um, I mean, much so. I'm not even sure there's, I don't remember if there's even a supernatural aspect of it to it. Well, the, the, the monster here to me in this story is, is trauma uh, and fear, the fear that's produced because sure. of a childhood trauma that's yeah. brought up by an encounter with um, a just strange. A, a strange man, but it's not, not supernatural as far as we know. 
but yeah, and another Laird Baron, the return of the black sloth. I mean, so many great, uh, so many great stories. So definitely if uh, for listeners, if you haven't gotten Screams from the Dark yet, you're going to want to get this. It's like one of my top three books of the year. Um, and hey, it's, oh yeah, I, I've been we looking forward to this. We only hit the half time. It was only six months in, but that's good. Yes, yes. Well, it's uh, <laughs> for me, uh, uh, Screams from the Dark and Dark Stars, uh, the other uh, anthology and uh, Human Monsters, Sadie, Sadie Hartman's uh, yeah. upcoming book. Uh, I'm very, you know, there's good, strong collections of authors, and I'm very interested uh, in all three of those, but I've, I've really enjoyed Screams from the Dark. Um, and, and Alan, just kind of last question here, what do you have coming up next? The next year is best, and I'm working on another anthology I can't talk about. Okay, all right. When, I, when, uh, uh, when might we hear more about the next anthology? Well, the stories aren't due till January, so not till next year. Okay, very <laughs> good. And last time we talked, you said you'd ne there's one theme anthology that you would like to do that you haven't oh, done yeah. yet and that's the shoes, book shoes. The, the book of shoes i can't even get it together to do a decent proposal and no one's <laughs> in you know? i would totally write a shoe story for you ellen you would know you? That. Oh, I, I would i but would I, you know can, I write, can you help me write the proposal i don't even know what to do with it i mean it wouldn't necessarily be only horror i want it to be everything and i wanted to have some non-fiction stuff and mainstream stuff well because you've got right you've got like old mother hubbard right uh, no yeah. uh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the woman who lived in the shoe, in the shoe. Yeah. that's yeah. right right that's that's, that's, that's it yeah but yeah but the woman who lived in the shoe and you've yeah, got I mean, like fantastic uh shoes boots? and different stories sure. you know like, like fairy tales shoes, you got you have um oh what's it called <laughs> I mean, the ruby slippers from foot Wizard binding. of Oz. Foot binding. Foot binding, that's right. It would be a lot of fun. Not that's foot right. Seeing the, the human experience through the through the shoe. perspective the, of whatever shod, whatever yes. kind of foot thing you put on your feet. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what it right. would be called, actually. The oh, anthology would be called, uh, no, it would be called shod. Shod. S-H-O-D. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. that. It would be called shod, and you would have a Olivia Llewellyn story in it. Oh, oh, oh totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, Definitely. folks, the magic, you're, the magic, it's happening right here as you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Shod, an anthology of shoes. And John, John Langan, what do we have to look forward to, uh, to from you coming up next? Um, I have a, um, a new collection of stories, my fifth collection called uh, Corpse Mouth. Yes. And that'll be out from Word Horde. Um, in theory, it's already been published. I think that the yep. uh, the ebook is is available. I've got it. Um, yep. I kind of think there were some issues with like uh, supply chain issues. So yeah. so I'm not 100% sure that the um, that the print copy has come out. I know that I'm signing a bunch of book plates yep. and doing little doodles on them and that sort of right. stuff. If you're ordering it from Ross, mm -hmm. so um, so that may delay them a little bit, but you'll get a book plate with a doodle on it. So nice. There. And that's that's um, wordhorde.com. Wordhorde Press, yeah, yeah, yeah. Word Horde, they're uh, they're yeah. redoing my first collection. They're bringing that out, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Gaunt, which will have a new story in that as well. And I'm oh. sorry, I'm sorry because I know there's some people who are like, "Damn it, Langan, now I have to buy that book, <laughs> buy the ebook." It's when's okay. it coming out? When's that? Uh, same things. They're both they're both coming out at the yeah. at the same time. They have beautiful covers by Matthew Jaffe. They're well, impressive. The cover, well, get me uh, that new story. You'll have to get me that new story. Yeah, you might yeah. like the new story. Actually, you might, you might, uh, you might, you might not. You might not. But how long is um, one in dark stores? How many words? Oh, it's a, it's a novel. Well, it's so is Bloodsucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, but the new story in Mister Gaunt is like about five thousand words. No, no, but also, how long is the one in dark stores? It's about twenty three thousand. I think. Oh, that's even longer. Um, than yeah, yeah. That's that's it's well, just. We'll see. We'll see. And it's another Catskill story, and it also involves ice fishing. It's actually okay. kind of weird. It it uh, it's. Yeah, anyway, it's a Wendigo story. Oh, um, I like that. About, about 40 pages. I, I don't, Somebody, I don't uh, like word count. I don't, I don't know, know what, what that, that means, is. You know. For one of those one of those fundraisers, and I can't remember which one it was, um, somebody that the winning, I was like, hey, if you take this bid, I'll write a story for you. Oh, and wow. On the monster of your choice. And so the winning person was like, I want a Wendigo story. So nice. it took me a long time. Um, and being made, you know, insanely angry by Brian Keene helped, um, but I, I finally did it. Um, there, there was a, um, uh, what do you call it? Corpse Mouth will have an original story in it about a banshee. Um, oh, wow. And that was a request from someone who, uh, Chris McLaren, uh, a guy who was seen around like ReaderCon and that sort of stuff, lovely guy. And um, 
it was a KGB fundraising thing, I think a few years ago. And he was like, I want, uh, actually it was, and he, he was like, I want a, a Banshee story. And he had this crazy Banshee like legend that he'd found a copy of like, like wow. um, in some old like 19th century manuscript. Oh, the, thing with the Banshee goodness. is the Banshee is a, it's a monster of class. So if you're a member of like the whatever seven families of Ireland, then the Banshee wails for you. If you're just some poor wow. schmuck, no banshee yeah. but this the, the story is like there's this family and and the the lord is dying and he finally dies you know the banshee's wailing away and the butler comes in to say you know my lord is dead and the butler's name is john langan so uh oh yeah, my yeah. Goodness. so so chris mclaren was like this is crazy you have to write something so oh wow um so yeah that's there you go uh, that's that is, is really really cool. So and we're looking forward to those. Yes, uh, go out to wordhorde.com uh, or what, look up wordhorde and it's H uh, O R D E uh, horde um, and uh, yeah you can get both. Uh, Wait, isn't it double, mouth. Word horde is e. No, word is not. Yeah, I, I think yeah. word doesn't have the e and horde does. But horde yes. does. That's I right. always get confused. I'm yeah. easily confused. <laughs> but, the, but yeah, the Mr. Gaunt reissue and Corpse Mouth both out there. Yeah, and those covers are gorgeous. And like need people, I've seen people asking on, on Twitter for them to be made into posters because they put them up on the walls. Um, I, you know, maybe well, Matt, Matt Jaffe and that. I were Matt Jaffe and I were kicking around this idea, and it was just sort of whimsical that at Necronomicon Providence that we would have T-shirts made up, one with Mr. Gaunt, one with Corpse Mouth, that we would like see which sold more over the course nice. of the, you know. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, yeah, you know, try to, uh, and have it like a sort of a running game throughout the convention. Who has, nice. more, what have we seen, what have we seen more of? Oh, uh, that that actually would be a lot of fun. And yeah, speaking yeah. of conventions, yeah. are either, do either of you have convention, uh, you know, are you going to yeah. be at conventions coming up? Yeah, I'm going to be in a lot. I'm going really? to Marium in July, I think. Okay. Or August, I can't remember. And then World Con, um, World Fantasy Con, um, maybe the Westport, if it's still happening, the Westport um, in Sagatuck, Westport mm -hmm. Festival, Book Festival. It's in Connecticut. And um, what else? I'm sure I'm missing something. Uh, I wanted to go to Necronomicon, but I just don't have the time. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. And I want, yeah, I, I I may be missing something else that I'm going to. Okay, oh, I so know. I'm going to the Merrimack thing. Um, Merrimack. Oh, in, in uh, it's uh, like, October. It's, yeah, it's yeah. going to take me forever to get there. Um, but Tim Lee said he'd give me a ride. That nice. way I can bring books to sell. Otherwise, it's like I can't carry them. It's just going to be like three hours or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's the middle of nowhere. Merrimack Valley. But it's something yeah, it's like, up, up on the like the New it, Hampshire border. Yeah, like Chris yeah. Golden organized and it's getting bigger and bigger. So I said That's I'd like right. to if I well, it. I, it's, it's just great to see the cons back and people able to, you know, travel a little more cautiously, but a little more freely. It's great to see yeah. it. Well, again, like Ellen and John, thank you both so much for being on the show today. Hey, thank you for having us. Just thoroughly enjoying your, your contributions and the story. And uh, Ellen, thanks for bringing us another terrific book. It's it's thank really uh, one of the one of the best books anyone's going to get this year. So thank you. All right.